Good morning, Bethany. My name is Adam, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bethany. And this morning, we've got a special morning where we're really focusing on what is God doing in the world through this church, uh, kind of a missions emphasis, so to speak. I've got five people on the stage with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and these, the five on the stage, except for Sanjay here to my uh, left, um, are part of this church, and they've all stepped out this past year in some capacity to serve in missions. Now, we've got, these are not the only five in our church that have done this. In, fact, in the coming weeks, um, we're going to uh, have Kim Staltzhus is coming home, uh, Heidi uh, Zimmerman, those of you who know her, and her whole team that went down to Jamaica and a number of others that have been out and about in the world serving. Uh, but these five are here basically is that video kind of plays Jesus is doing something in the world he's called us to join him and these five have done that now what we're going to do instead of a traditional sermon this morning is going to be an interview with them and here's kind of the the heart behind this is in when you look at Hebrews chapter 11 those of you that know the Bible and, and those of you that may be new to it Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that is filled verse after verse story after story of people uh, men and women who did great things for God. They're people who said, I believe God, I'm going to take him at his word. And because I t- trust that he is God, I trust that what he said, and I'm going to hold to what he says in great faith. A lot of them even says did not even see God's promises come true in their lifetime, but they held the same. I trust in his eternal reward that I'm going to have one day. Now, this story wraps, the, the chapter wraps up, and it talks about people that aren't even referenced in the Bible. And it's actually, I think it gives allusion to people yet to come, I think, like the five here in the stage uh, with me. And then it goes into chapter 12, and here's what it says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we have these people that have gone before us that have testified to this faith that they have, we see it. It says, then says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. One of the cool things about stories when we hear, as you're going to hear stories of how God has worked in in, um, their lives, um, one of the cool things that stories do for us, they embolden our own faith. It's kind of like we understand and we know and we're told the truth of God and the truth of grace. When we see stories lived out, it begins to put flesh on that truth for us. Stories invigorate and they excite us and they remind us that God is alive and active today and at work today. They, at the end of the day, they strengthen and embolden us and they give us courage. And they may, basically, when I hear a story, when, when we hear some of these stories, what ends up happening in my own spirit, and this is my prayer for you this morning, when I hear some of these stories, I say, you know what? I know Cliff. I know Gene, I know Heather, Larry, I just got to know Sanjay. Hey, they're normal, everyday people like me. They put their pants on one leg at a time like I do. They're no great, huge superhero. And they can do it, I can do it too. Um, so that's kind of the heart this morning is to say, they've gone up here, you know, getting pats in the back and glory for themselves. But they're up here saying, hey, we're everyday people that heard God speak. We stepped out to serve in some capacity. And my prayer is that their stories embolden our own faith to go out and, and live that way um, ourselves. Now, with that said, um, just like each of them, to kind of go around quickly and just introduce yourselves, say hello, and let everyone know who you are. And anything else you want to throw in there, have at it. Good morning, Bethany. I'm Gene Pierce. And uh, as we speak this morning, I'd invite you to consider going with us next January. Good morning. I'm Larry Fox. 
I'm Heather Gerhardt. Good morning. This is Sanjay Dalavai. Uh, we are missionaries to India doing Christian camps and so grateful to the Lord that my wife and my three girls are with me this morning here. Good morning. I'm Cliff Snyder. Here we go. Um, what we're going to do is just kind of kind of let, uh, I have some questions I'm going to ask them, but here's the, the real heart of this is that we're kind of sitting in my living room and kind of forgetting that I know all of you couldn't get into my living room, so it makes it a little unrealistic. We're going to sit in my living room just as though we're having a conversation as they've come back from their trip, so we're going to jump right in with Gene. Um, Gene and Larry both went to a ministry called, with a ministry called We Care. They serve in prisons. They raise up um, and place missionaries as chaplains in correctional facilities. Uh, you guys headed down to Montgomery, Alabama. Um, there's a number of opportunities to serve, and they come in to encourage. There's, they do different crusades and evangelistic work uh, to continue to encourage the inmates to live in community uh, and strengthen the Christians, continue to reach out to other inmates, and through their number of teaching ministries, etc. Um, Gene, I want to start with you. If you could just kind of throw out how you got involved. I mean, why, why we care? Why prison? How, how'd you end up there? Well, thank you, Pastor Adam. <clears throat> I've known Larry Fox, my friend to my left here, for about 12 years, and I've known that he's been involved with the We Care ministry for a lot of that time. And uh, he's challenged me in the past to go, and about five years ago, I made a commitment that I would go for the first time. So we loaded up in the van and went down to uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And We Care Ministry is a much larger um, mission than just ourselves. So it's a ministry that covers state prisons in Alabama. There's, I believe, almost 20 institutions that they're providing coverage with full-time chaplaincy and other uh, missions. But we go down for the specific week in January where it's a crusade opportunity. And there's over 300 people that gather there from all over the country, from as far away as Canada and Wyoming, a lot from Ohio, a lot from Pennsylvania. But we all gather together and prepare our hearts and, and uh, get our, our armor on, ready to go into the prisons to do God's work. And uh, it's, it's quite a life-changing opportunity. I'm glad that uh, Larry was persistent in urging me to go down, and I'm, I'm glad that I've been faithful to God's calling and serving where I can. Yep. <clears throat> I love how people play a role in that. I, so many things in my life that I've done have been at the urging, consistent urging <laughs> at times of other people. Gene, could you just talk um, briefly about we, did, we weren't with you. Um, so could you just help us all understand what, uh, what you did, what you experienced, what you saw, what you heard, what you smelled, uh, kind of just talk us, talk, maybe you want to leave some of that go, uh, but just kind of, just kind of talk through, uh, just kind of talk through your, what your experience, what, what you saw and did. Yeah. Pastor Adam, we'll set aside what we smell. <laughs> so, uh, we go down there and we spend the first day and a half preparing our hearts and, uh, getting a little bit of training and instruction from the different, uh, state organizations down there for the institutions. And, uh, we just get ourselves really armed spiritually for going into battle. And it's important for us to realize that while we're going into the prisons, that there's uh, another group of people that are on the sidelines praying for us and praying for our families while we're doing this important work. So it's always important to realize the work of prayer. But as we go into the, uh, the individual prisons, it's not like you would see on TV where you're talking across the table or talking across bars. So once we go in and go through the checkpoints for the security, uh, we get locked in with the rest of the inmates, uh, anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 
convicts that are in there. And uh, it's not like you're walking down the street wondering who the bad guy is. Because now you're looking around and you, know you may be are. one of them. So <laughs> the only difference is we get to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, the ministry opportunity is quite unique because we make ourselves available to talk to these men ranging anywhere from 19 years old to 80 years old. One common thread that we find in most of them is they they come from a, a past where they've not experienced any love from their their dad or love from a family, and they've been in situations that have caused them to go astray. And it's important to love them for one of God's creations and to share the hope that we've learned through uh, Jesus Christ. And it's also important, I believe, to realize that we can't go in and tell them how to get saved. We need to go and guide them and show them what God has done in our lives and give them a hunger for what God can do in their lives. And at the end of every day, we have a really great uh, celebration of worship uh, before we go home at the end of the day. And uh, the the group in the uh, worship could range anywhere from uh, 50 to 150. And uh, there's, I'd like for you to know also that the, the church in these institutions is quite vibrant. They have their own preaching. They have their own uh, worship teams. And uh, it's quite exciting to worship with them and to share in what God is doing. Awesome. Um, Larry, you were instrumental in getting Gene there and others in our church. I know you've been instrumental in, in uh, pulling into prison with you. Um, <laughs> sounds kind of funny to say it that way. Uh, and a lot of times we think about um, the experience. But you, especially this year in particular, could you just kind of talk about, we forget about what it takes to get there. And you had uh, God really worked in some cool ways uh, this, this year in getting you there. Could you kind of talk about that miraculous story a little bit and, and getting you to prison? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, amazing, the heart of God, how um, he wants uh, people to go. And, and, uh, and if you're willing to go, uh, the, the, the things he'll do that you can go. And um, this year, uh, many years I've been going, 15 years or somewhere around there. I uh, told Gene, uh, I don't think I can go this year because uh, I'm a construction. And I was in the middle of a job and I needed to finish it. I just couldn't walk off gracefully <laughs> so um he played your uh, role then and yeah he, he, he gene <laughs> told me he said well i'll pray for you but you don't you don't know what god can do he said we'll yeah. see about that and yeah. and that was a challenge to me so um and i said well i guess i'll see <laughs> and right now it doesn't look like i can so um um uh that week i needed a permit for one thing i, did, I wasn't getting it and uh that uh, Friday night at 9 o'clock, the inspector calls me. He said, I've been working late on permits, and I, I, I have a permit for you. Yeah. And uh, that, that never happens in construction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, then I, my problem still wasn't solved. I, finally, I got my permit, which was delayed. Um, I still needed to get it done, and uh, I didn't have the time to do it. And uh, I... In the meantime, that Saturday, I called my son, Jesse, and he said, you know, about cutting wood. And, and he just says, you know, uh, anyways, Dad, um, next week, I, I don't have work. The boss laid me off for that week. And he just so <laughs> happens to be the guy that works with me for eight years and knows exactly how I do things. And he yeah. was available for a whole week hmm. to help me. So it was like, them were just uh, two things that 
were amazing. How, uh, to make a long story short, I was able to go. And uh, the, right before that, it looked impossible. And, and God, uh, God had, he made it so I could. And all I needed was to have the desire to do it. Yeah. Larry, one of the things I love, too, when I <clears throat> interact with you uh, time to time, and especially as we're getting ready for this, I ask you, what's the one thing you take, take away from an experience like this consistently? And um, you said, I think the way you said it is the way I recorded it, um, basically is that God, his amazing work, and that he can redeem anyone, uh, no matter where they're at. And um, that no matter where you're at, he can bring you a peace and a joy, uh, no matter how bad life gets. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about, uh, you come home from experiences like this. Um, How do these experiences take that heart into your everyday life? Well, um, it does a lot for you. It, it, it takes away a fear of life itself, of things that can happen to you. You know, fear of uh, losing your house or fear of uh, your, losing your health or fear of ending up like them guys, you know. And uh, you, can, you can see that God, God is sufficient. Uh, yeah. that you, can, you can end up at the very bottom and, uh, and you can still be be fine. You know, yeah. if you have, if you have Christ, you can have peace. Yeah. You can have peace and you can have joy and you can have love. And I think Gene can testify. I think we've seen that in greater amounts there in prison than anywhere I've ever seen in my life. Greater amounts of peace uh, and peace, joy. joy and yeah. love. And <clears throat> Bible says how, if you have forgiven much, you're, you're thankful for much. Yeah. And, and, and to see these guys that had been forgiven of some of the most horrendous things in, in, in life and to see their, their uh, peace and their joy, is, is, it just comes. Their services, I, I wish you could see their service. Yeah. They're, when they sing, they sing, they make us look bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they, it really comes out of a heart that is really huh. uh, joyful and thankful. Huh. That is awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. It just um, is overwhelming to me when I'm there, how abundant God's grace and his providence for us. And uh, not only with the privilege of being able to go and share in a ministry, but sharing in the lives of people that uh, need Jesus just as much as all of us do. And you got to remember that when we go into the prisons, it's all it's not all what we show is the nice spiritual uh, worship there's a lot of darkness in prison too so yeah. uh, we're walking into into satan's lair in a lot of cases and it takes a lot of prayer so <clears throat> i would encourage people from the bethany that uh, you would consider not only going with us next year but uh, providing us prayer coverage while we're down there because we're dealing with a lot of issues of of uh, sin and uh, homosexuality and Muslim influence and just about anything that you can see in the world is kind of magnified in, in the institutions because of their instincts for survival there. And mm. what they really need is Jesus. And I just count it such a privilege to be able to take that message to them. Awesome. And you guys are going again next year? Okay. Let us know in advance and we'll the date will be uh, leaving the Friday after Martin Luther King Day. So mark that on your calendar. We leave on a Friday. Uh, we actually start uh, training on Saturday night 
and then we're back on Friday the week after. So okay. it's a full week, but it's very rewarding. Yeah. And God takes care of the weather. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, Heather is also up here. Um, and Heather has been to Haiti twice this past year, actually, two different organizations. And Haiti is a country that for most of us have we know a little bit about because in, in the past, uh, uh, was it two years ago now, I guess, uh, with the earthquake. And Heather, can you describe again, when you, I mean, we live here, we've seen pictures of Haiti, but can you just describe for us uh, what you see, again, leave the smells out, <laughs> but what you see here, take in, what you experience um, that week you're there? Well, I think it's fairly obvious that we experienced a lot of, um, we saw a lot of poverty. And uh, if you see on the, on the screen there, the picture at the very top with all the children, um, that also includes a, a couple white faces. Um, that's our team. And those were, there were 31 uh, orphans. They were all orphans from the earthquake that happened, as Adam said, two years ago. Um, so that was um, pretty incredible to get a chance to um, meet them. And uh, we provided them with a meal and medical care. Um, and then also just like a bunch of gifts that we took down to hand out clothes and toys and all kinds of things. They were so happy. I mean, these are just like, like normal kids. You wouldn't know if you just walked in there that they lost both their parents at the same time on the same day. Like it was just incredible. Um, the strength that, that they have and, um, just the weight of what they carry from day to day. Um, so that we uh, got to see that, and also like where they where they live in their orphanage, uh, we we went to visit them there, and I was like, "Where's the orphanage?" Uh, because literally, it was just like when I went to summer camp, and we stayed in a shelter, and then we walked somewhere else to our meals. Um, I think they ate most of their meals outside on the dirt on the floor. Um, because I didn't see any dining hall. It was just, like I said, a couple buildings with um, bunk beds in, and then there was like an outhouse, um, but it was all separate, and it wasn't like one building. Um, we, also, we also went into a prison. I didn't mention that the first service. Um, pretty scary things. Um, going into a prison in Haiti, uh, there weren't many checkpoints. <laughs> there were men with guns, and um, and the prisoners were pretty uh, obedient. They didn't really act out. They didn't have them shackled or anything. Um, they were in their cells, and then they brought them out to us in small groups um, for the clinic. And um, I think they just knew that if they took a step in the wrong direction, that they would just... <laughs> uh, that the guards would just take care of that problem and not in an ethical manner. They didn't have any rules, really. Um, but when I walked through the doors um, into that prison, it was like a force. I mean, I was just overwhelmed by what I saw. Um, there was just cell after cell. Um, I imagine that they were like a 10 by 10 room or, 11, or 12 by 12. Couldn't have been much more than that. I'm not good with dimensions, but 
um, small room, and then there were numbers on each cell that said how many inmates were in each cell. And there were numbers like 32, 35, 40 in this small room. And they only had one little window that had bars on it, and their arms were just like, you know, overflowing out of it. And they were, you know, and it was just incredible. Um, I was overwhelmed when I walked in there. Um, and they have a different uh, justice system, if you want to call it that. So it's their, um, they go more by uh, you're guilty until proven innocent. So we did see, you know, I, I asked everyone I saw why they were there. And the translators told me that some of them were lying. Um, but <laughs> uh, there were ones that were clearly there for a good reason. Um, and there were also ones that were, you know, I'm sure that were innocent. Um, so that was pretty hmm. gripping. Hmm. You went, as you get down, <clears throat> excuse me, um, one of the things is you, we conversed this week, you talked about you fell in love with this ministry, uh, did a lot of medical care, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, the town was Manwe. I still got that right, right? I got that. Two services. I'm two for two there. All right. Um, but you talked about it, you fell in love with it. You referenced um, how you'd love to continue to be involved, how you'd love to see us get involved uh, with great excitement. And is it's the thing that struck me as we talked, it was a different response from when you came back the first time. Um, could you just comment? Again, you don't need to speak to the first time, but what was different for you, this experience that that you came out of it with um, the perspective you did this time? Uh, well, I shared with the first uh, service that I think the biggest difference um, was just me. Uh, I think I think it was quite appropriate that I went twice as quickly as I did. Um, I really felt like that was the Lord's calling on my life, and he uh, financed both trips before I even left for the first one. Um, so I felt a really strong pull that that was what I was to do. And I came back the first time uh, feeling a little bit shaken, a little bit hopeless, um, and just had a lot, a lot of questions. Uh, I still have a lot of questions, but, uh, going back the second time, uh, my, I, I just think the Lord used that trip, um, in a different way in my life and put the two together to, um, to make some big changes in my own heart. So when you say questions, you mean just with what you saw and took in? Is yeah. That, is that the best way to, yeah? Yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that most people um, question how a loving God could allow such suffering. And when you actually go and you actually see it, um, if you're just here and you don't go, you can kind of push that feeling aside or focus on other things um, I love the Lord and I feel like I have a strong faith, you know, um, and that might be in the back of my mind. But when you go there, you're like, you're hit with it yep. and you really have to do some soul searching and it's really faith defining. Huh. So. Huh. Um, as you come home now, uh, one of the things, you know, you look around our country, we, we have the infrastructure that Haiti doesn't. We have cable TV. Um, I mean, we've got luxuries that Haiti can't even probably fathom from our end. What, what do you, how has this experience shaped your perspective and, and your daily life here in Eastern Lancaster County today? 
Well, one of the things I wanted to share is that when when we went to Monwe, we got there on a Saturday morning. So on Sunday, we went to church with them, and we didn't have a translator, um, but we just went to to be there in the church, and we listened even though we didn't understand because um, they were speaking in Creole. And as we sat there, uh, it was it was incredible to me. I, you know, I wanted to know what they were saying, but just to take it in and just look around and um, use my other senses to take in what I was um, a part of there. Then they started to sing um, an, a hymn that we used to sing here. Um, it's called uh, The Love of God. And I recognized it right away. I was like, I know this song, but I couldn't quite remember all of the words. Um, there was like, there was one there was one little stanza that I kind of remembered, but I just couldn't get any more than that. So I just sat there and uh, just watched them sing this song and just listened. And I have vivid pictures of that. Uh, I think it was such a God thing that I didn't know the words because I would have just sang along. But instead, I sat there and I was able to just take in everything and just watch them. And it was really incredible to me. Um, that there we were in another country, in another culture, and they were singing the same song. (laughs) And my God is their God. And he loves us all the same. So, um, you know, there were... (laughs) Sometimes I've come across people who wonder why... I would go to uh, a country, a foreign country, if I'm going to do missions, and maybe, maybe we should just stay here. And I was just really moved by that experience. Um, that they, there are brothers and sisters, and God loves them as much as He loves us. And so, I really, that's something that um, touches me. And whenever I hear that song, um, I just feel like it's a gift from God. And so every day, um, I'm challenged to think about the way I'm living and what could I give up to, um, to help someone else. And, um, you know, a, a week in another country is not much to sacrifice. And the, um, even just a small donation a month, you know, five, ten, up to upwards to thirty or forty dollars, whatever anybody can afford. Not, like even five dollars, it is worth. It's worth it, and they benefit from it. And um, so, and I got to see that firsthand. Awesome, that's cool. No, it's, I love how as you step out into other parts of the world, it really shrinks the world in a lot of ways and helps us see and understand that our God is. I love how you said it, their God. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that, Heather. Um, turn attention over here. Sanjay, um, could you, first, I guess, thing, if you could just introduce yourself to the church. I know some people here know you. Some people know LCMI, and I know we have some people here that support you uh, in that ministry. Uh, so if you could just, again, introduce yourself to us and tell us a little about who you are. Pastor Adam, thank you so much. Yep. Um, Sanjay, uh, I'm from India, born and raised in India, and uh, God gave me an opportunity to come to States in 91, actually. Went through grad school here and um, finished the school and then working in a secular setting at that point. But in 96, 95, late, God just uh, changed my, my perspective. 
and called me into full-time work from that point on. And, um, but at that time, my ministry for nine years, I was on the back end of the ministries in the administration area. But then in 2003, uh, my wife and I and my two kids were in India um, serving the Lord. And it was during that time, I always choked up with this because even though I was born and raised in India, I never saw the hopelessness of our kids the way God opened my eyes mm. in 2003. Mm. When we came back home, Karen and I, we just we said to ourselves that we can't be just uh, patting on our back. And you talked about earlier yeah. on the introduction that you know, we are in the ministry already. But yeah, look at these kids and how hopeless they are yeah. and walking in eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that kind of turned our life around. And that's when LCMI came about. And we do Christian camps throughout the whole year uh, by the grace of God and we reach yeah. uh, many children from yeah. the Lord's That is um, this past week is I was doing, putting some of this together and get to know you a little bit. Um, the statistics are just absolutely mind numbing. Yeah. Um, some of them and I it just um, one third of the world's poorest children live in India. Uh, this other statistic you gave me an estimated 18 million children live and work on the streets of India. I mean, I just 18 million. Yeah. Um, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's only a million people in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. Uh, it's hard for me to even get my head around 18 million um, Children in crisis, there is no country that rivals India's need. About 40% of India's population is under the age of 18. Then the one that that really struck my heart, more than a half million Indian children are basically forced into child prostitution. Uh, Again, it's hard to read those numbers and even Mm -hmm. for us to get our heads around them Mm. and how gripping they are. But you step out and you're doing something to push them back. Could you just share... Um, stories, maybe a story or two of, of sure. where you're pushing that, yeah. pushing that darkness back and, and you see a difference being made. And it's a beautiful thing that when, when kids come to the camp, Pastor Adam, you get their attention. They're with you for five days and you're sharing Christ's love with them, teaching them God's word and keep teaching them standards that God expects us to live accordingly. And just going to zoom in over 1,500 kids that we reach every year. Let me just zoom in on two testimonies yeah. if I can share with you. Uh, I know the first session I shared one, uh, but this morning I want to share about a gal by name Pinky. She has come to us when she was, uh, you know, in a senior high school-wise. And she gave her life at our camp. And towards the end of the camp, as a result of one of our short-termers' challenge in her life, she made a commitment to be a missionary. Huh. And uh, as we worked with her through our follow-up mechanisms, she continued to grow in the Lord, comes from a really bad situation of her life, but yet she made her commitment to follow him and to serve him. And now she's a full-time missionary with LCMI in India. Praise God. It is awesome to see how God turns that 180-degree turn yep. and talking about how God changes life. That's yep. a beautiful thing. Yep. And I want to share, share with another testimony. I think if, if maybe we can go one of the special need kids yep. that we had. This boy on the wheelchair there, uh, his name was Naresh. Uh, he has come to our camp. He's a Hindu boy. Uh, dad is a uh, carpenter by, by trade and uh, very thick Hindu practicing you know, family. Yeah. Uh, if you go into their home three years ago, uh, the whole house was filled with idols. But mom, uh, Vimala, and this boy came to our camp. And as, as God's word began to be taught, one of the things that stood out for Vimala, her, his mom, was... His own dad would not even touch the cup that his son would drink from. Hmm. 
But yet our, our family, our, our, our camp, our counselors, loving this boy with the disability that he has, cleaning them, that break her heart. Hmm. They were his own husband would not touch a, f- a brand new guy would touch and care for the son. That, and she gave her life to the Lord. And today she's a strong Christian. Year living into being a Christian, she was so convicted. She needed to be baptized. She mm-hmm. took baptism by, by mm-hmm. water, water. And then now she's a major mobilizer for LCMI mm-hmm. in the community where mm-hmm. she lives. Every mm-hmm. week she goes and visits many families who mm-hmm. are having special need kids and talking to them about Christ's love. And it's made a champion for LCM's camp. So she brings yeah. kids yeah. to our camps. Wow. And uh, we thank God for the way God is touching lives in India. No, I, I um, and even the stories you shared first hour, I just, I love hearing that. I think it, it takes those statistics for us and helps us put, I think, real hope into them in yes. some ways. Yes. Uh, even though they're very, uh, um, what, what message would you have for us? We live a world away from India. I think some of us know India because of our TV shows and, yes. and outsourced and some of, the, mm-hmm. some of the TV shows we have that, I mean, India is on our minds because of stealing our jobs, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, so, so in some ways we, we hear India and know it, but yeah. what message a world away from India would you have for us? Yeah. And I think in, in one of your email, you talked about what does, what is my heart's cry? Yeah. And I, you know, I want to, I need to say this because... 480 million children who are 18 years young live in our country, live in my home country in India. That's way beyond what we have in U.S. 340 is what our population here in the U.S. That's the number of kids who are looking, who are crying for help. Now, how we can get involved, um, I want to encourage you to pray for God to bring about his word in front of these kids. Uh, some of the city kids are so so commercialized with this job situations. Yep. Um, they are so materialistic thinking. But yet if God's work can go, we know from Hebrew 4.12, it is powerful, it is alive. Yep. It will cut yep. through whatever the heart, deepest heart, yep. hardest hearts are. And then, and then to come, you know, there's no way, and I think I'm hearing all these testimonies here, that there's, there's something that you do by even supporting, let's say. Yep. But yet when you come to a country like our home, you will see, like Heather talked about, it is the same God. Yeah. Our God is their God as well. Yeah. And you will see God's love in action. And yeah. your life will be changed as a result sure. of that. Sure. And uh, so you can come and, and, and then as the Lord provides and convicts you, supply yeah. through financial yeah. gift as well. And you shared first service, mm-hmm. $42. And you, you ran it off to 50, 50. Yep. Gets one child through Twelve. camp for a week. That's correct. It's, it's yeah. It's, yes. very, very hand, it's a very uh, tangible Sorry. way yeah. of getting one soul into a camp and God willing, change their life, not only yeah. on earth now, but eternity to come yeah. for the glory of God. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of going, um, you had Cliff come yes. with you um, this past year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cliff, I know uh, your heart for the orphan is huge. Um, you've traveled the globe in a lot of ways, Romania, Guatemala, and, and other parts of the globe where you've, you've traveled to orphanages, you've seen the plight of the fatherless. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about this week uh, in India and what it's, maybe what stood out to you um, about, again, India and just what's kind of stepped out in your mind? Well, one thing, um, um, on most of the other mission trips, I was with a group of guys and or girls, and, and we were 
doing construction and maybe hanging out with the kids a little bit. But this trip was totally different. Um, this trip, Bruce Eberly took me to JFK Airport and dropped me off. And I'm getting ready to travel around the world to the other side of the world by myself. And that, that's, that's a scary thing. But I heard you guys say, you know, when you go into the prison, it can be a scary thing. Or to Haiti, it can be a scary thing. But, man, what a rewarding trip it was. Uh, I was by myself till I got to India. And I walk into the airport and I see Brother Sanjay. And I think, wow, somebody I know. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not fun to, to, for me to travel alone like that or to be alone. But uh, so to do things together. So if you want to go to India, maybe I can... Come back and take some people along. <laughs> so if you want to go, maybe you can go along. Uh, the, can, no, could you talk about a little bit about um, this week specifically was with special needs kids, the camp you were at for the entire week. Um, I mean, could you talk even about, uh, I know, a story? I know the girls you have on the screen that could you just kind of share what, what you did and kind of your interaction there? Yeah. If you just keep this slide up here. Yeah. Um, this is a lot of the times the way we see people. We see them from a distance, and we don't know their story. But this, this is a, a camp. It was a camp for special needs, uh, physically handicapped, mentally handicapped. And it was, it was some people that were really, really had major difficulties. You know, it's one thing to see a cute little orphan child, but... You know, to see somebody that has some really major problems, then it takes the love of God to really reach out to that person. Let me just tell you a little story about these two people. Um, the, the, there was an orphan girl that her name was uh, something like Madhuri or something like that. And she was at the camp, and they were working with her. But, but she had, like fits of crying and she would uh, um, bang her head against even the concrete floor and and there was nobody really there to take care of her except another orphan girl and so everywhere they went throughout that day they were together I would see them in the morning and the the uh, Swetha, uh, Swetha. Swetha, uh she would I would see him walking over to the shower, and she would help this girl get a shower. And she'd take her to breakfast, get her breakfast, and get her dressed and get her breakfast, and just spend the day with her. Well, Swetha, I find out that just a couple of years ago, her, she saw her mother doused with kerosene and, and killed. And I thought, wow, what, what, a, what a picture of sadness and suffering. And, and yet this, these two orphan girls were hanging out, and one taking care of the other, and one being the mother to the other one. And one day, uh, the, the girl was having one of her, Madhuri was having one of her fits. And so Swetha took her and set her out in the back steps, and uh, she put her arm around her, trying to console her. And uh, so I went out and joined them, put my arm around, around them, and tried to console them both. And it was, it was one of the most special times in my life. It was like God had just pulled a curtain back 
to show me how he feels about pain and suffering. And um, I just, um, it was just a, a very, very special time. And I just want to say one other thing that I forgot in the morning, the first service, um, that uh, when I came back, the first Sunday morning I was back, the worship team sang a song and it had a line in it that said, break my heart with things that break yours, God. And, and I was standing here with tears in my eyes. So worship team, when you put all that work together and you think that nobody really gets it, well, people do get it. And uh, that, was, that was just a very special time. And then I found out that Swetha, at, during that camp, she came to know Jesus as her Savior. And that someday her suffering and sadness will be gone. That's, um, Cliff, as, as you talked about that song, even this week as we interchanged, uh, the way you said it that I recorded here, uh, I just want to read this because um, you, you talked about missions trips refocusing you on what's important. And the way you said it is and how easily we get caught up here on the, in the daily grind. Um, I agree. I, I'm a person who gets caught up in the daily grind, and I'm a pastor. <laughs> um, I come to you and say, Cliff, what would you tell me um, to keep me from getting caught up in that daily grind? And, I mean, sp- what do you tell me? What do you tell us to, to keep our hearts focused on, on seek first the kingdom of God and, and not get wrapped up in that? Well, in, in 1985 is when I first came to know Jesus. And in those days, it was a very, very special relationship. Like God would show himself to me. Every day, he'd do something neat in my life. Well, as, as years pass by, you sort of get sort of used to church and sort of used to being a Christian. Like when I first got saved, that was something new. And um, so, so now I'm back at a place where I'm looking for those God moments again. And when I, when I came back from that mission trip, um, when, when, when the worship team played that song, that was a God moment. And then I talked to Tom Eberly this week and he said about their plan, that song this morning. So, wow, what another God moment. So that's one of the things I'm just learning to look for God moments to realize that God's real, that God yeah. cares and I think I still need to go on mission trips because I just get caught so caught up in the things of this world of work and busyness. But the other thing that, Pastor Adam, that you always talk about is, is spending time in the Word. There's no substitute for that. And so whether you're on a mission trip or at home, uh, just be spending time in the Word. And I believe that Satan is doing everything he can to keep us from doing that because when I sit down to read the word, oh, there's the newspaper. I'll read that first. And then I get busy, and then, well, then something else yep. comes up. Yep. Um, and then when you read the word, you see who Jesus is. And I was just reading this week about uh, how, how Jesus was, like, as he walked on earth, he, was, he would see a group of people and be filled with compassion. Or he would see the two blind men, and he would be filled with compassion and touch their eyes and heal them. He even told us the story of the prodigal son that he said the father was filled with compassion and ran to 
ran to his son. And so I think that we read the Bible and see what Jesus is really like and then try and follow in his yep. footsteps. And again, that's a perfect segue in. Um, I want to actually close this time with, with a passage. Uh, if people, if you turn with me to Matthew um, chapter 9, I want to wrap up with just reading. Um, again, thank you guys for sharing. And gals, I should say. It's okay to call you a guy. <laughs> um, Matthew chapter 9, if you're new to the Bible, I um, encourage you to, if you have one with you, to find Matthew about three-quarters of the way through your Bible. Uh, it's the first book of what we call the New Testament. It's found, uh, if you pass Matthew, you're going to see some books, Mark and Luke. But Matthew chapter 9, I just want to wrap this time up and kind of bring it into, I, a Cliff led right into this, the Word of God. It says this, verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. I mean, he asked us to go. He did it too. He was out and moving. He, uh, it says, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, verse 36 comes along. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's one of this word. I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, but the things that I've been taught and as, as I've used different tools to kind of mine into the original language is this word compassion. Uh, it literally means it's like your bowels, your, your inner, your stomach is turned. Have you ever had one of those experiences where something happens to maybe your child or a friend or, or you have this almost sickening, this, this movement inside of you? For me, I'm a little squeamish with blood and other things, and I've seen my children have accidents, and I am moved. And it's not just, I f- oh, that's nice, I'll take them to the doctors. It's this deep, inner, gut-wrenching, ah. Oh, That's this word. The word that's used here um, by Matthew is this Jesus was moved in his gut uh, with compassion. And the reason is, as he looked at them, he he saw people that were harassed, that were helpless, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. They they were in need of leadership. They're looking and trying to connect with God, and they're not finding it. Now, the key to this verse, this whole section to me, comes at the beginning of verse 36. Those of you who have your NIV Bible, it reads it this way. When he, and then what's the three-letter word there? Saw them. Uh, This is a powerful word to me. I think the compassion that Jesus has was started with the fact that his eyes were open to see people. He didn't just see people. Sometimes we see people with labels, don't we? We see homosexual people. I I was out on a date with my wife on Friday night, went to a restaurant late at night. Uh, sitting at the table right beside us were two men who were very clearly homosexual. And a lot of times when we see that, the immediate response is we label, we, we have stigmas, we, uh, and you go on throughout life. We do this with people, piercings, tattoos. Um, we see someone in the store with um, children that are unruly. We automatically begin to label their parenting. We, we, and I think Jesus, what he did is he had eyes that saw and he saw people, saw people, and, he, and then he saw them for what they were. They were people who were wandering through life, looking for an answer and not finding it. And they're harassed and hurried through life without a shepherd. Uh, so my challenge to us is that we see, we just open our eyes and see people. Then verse 37 wraps the whole section up. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the what? Workers are few. 
And we've got a harvest out there, but we don't have the workers. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I think as Cliff talks about the, 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 you know, get in the word of God. You know, how many of us, this is a request that we are told to pray. How many of us pray this on a regular basis? God, send workers with Sanjay to India to push back these horrendous statistics. Send workers to Alabama to, to bring freedom to people behind bars. God, send workers to our children's ministry. Send workers to the cross connection. And I think as I thought about this, reflected on this this week, you know why I think some of us, why I don't pray this all the time? Do you know what we're afraid of? <laughs> what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of that little tap. Because if we begin to pray, what God, I think, begins to do is say, Hey, Adam, you're praying for India? Why don't you go to India? Um, so I think it's important. It's something that we begin to just consistently pray. God, you want to see people come into relationship with you. People are ripe and ready, but it takes us to get out there and do it. Um, so I think it's a prayer request that's important. So I'd challenge us to be praying that way and to really, as we walk through life, as you head to work tonight or tomorrow, as you pump gas, as you head through the checkout, say, God, open my eyes to see people. Really see them not just the labels that sometimes and the stigma that we stick to them. Um, so let me pray for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for building into my faith and strengthening me. I love your stories and, and just how God's used you. And thank you for willing to share that. Let me pray for you. Um, as, as we wrap the service up too, uh, there's gonna, there, I ask them to be down front here at the end. Uh, feel free to come on up and chat with them, ask them questions, grab them. And um, again, they've been encouragement to me. I pray they'd be encouragement to you. God, thanks so much uh, for Gene. Thanks so much for Larry and Heather and Sanjay and Cliff and many more in our church that have gone out. Uh, It's cool. I love a church that gets it, that says it's not just about our community, but it's about the world. It's about where are you working, God, and let's step in there where that harvest is plentiful and and work. Uh, So, God, would you encourage Gene and Larry, uh, encourage Heather, Sanjay, and Cliff and um, thank you for their willingness to share, and God, I thank you for even strengthening my own faith as, as I listen to their stories. And God, would you, me as a pastor, I pray this, I pray this for all of us, that our eyes would be open to see people, really see people. Uh, see them as you see them. See them in, in their spiritual condition. Help us to see and have compassion then to the point where our, our stomach is, is sick and turned in knots because we so badly, we hurt. We empathize. We, we, we um, God, see people that are trying to connect with you, but yet are harassed in a busy life, caught up with suffering and pain, caught up with so much where they're just missing it because they don't have someone, a leader in Jesus Christ who's given them life. So God, would you help us to see people like that? And um, thank you for a church that, that wants to see people like that and wants to see people come to know Jesus. Would you encourage our faith to continue to move in that direction? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.